Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. In a little Spanish town, it was on a night like this. Stars were peekabooing down, it was on a night like this. I whispered, be true to me, and she smiled, see, see. Many skies have turned to gray because we're far apart. <laughs> that is the lyrical accompaniment to a ukulele uh, by someone that is probably uh, best known by cinematic historians and film buffs for being silent. Uh, that is, of course, the great Buster Keaton. We've been talking about uh, Buster Keaton a lot on this show lately. He seems to be having uh, quite a moment. There's two new books out about him. There's a film that's coming out about him. And there seems to be this uh, tremendous resurgence of interest in Buster Keaton and some of his films, even the ones that came out a century ago. And if you watch a lot of these films these days, you can see how often they've been uh, the inspiration for a lot of other films that are still coming out these days. Now, someone who is anything but silent is Keaton Talmadge. She is a trained actor and singer and the great-granddaughter of legendary silent film star Buster Keaton. And she's kind enough to join us on the radio. Keaton, thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Your aunt was uh, was Buster's uh, granddaughter. So, who who are your parents? So, my dad is. Um, so, how it goes in in my lineage is Buster's first son James is my grandpa, and uh, they had four kids, and one of those is my dad, Michael Talmadge, and so my aunt is Melissa Talmadge Cox, and she does a lot of Buster Keaton events, and she's uh, one of our family's, you know, spokespeople, I guess, that kind of represents the family at, at various events around the around the, the country. Uh, she's sort of taken it upon herself to be one of the uh, keepers of Buster's legacy. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. She she knew him. Um, you know, they, they all went over to his place when they were younger. And um, she has uh, quite a few of his uh, things. Um, she has hats and, and uh, a bunch of memorabilia that she keeps safe and she brings to certain events um, for people to see. And, um, yeah. Now, the Talmadge family was a pretty legendary show business family as well. I know when Buster Keaton married Natalie Talmadge, that was his leading lady in the film Our Hospitality. And she also came from Mm -hmm. a pretty accomplished cinematic family, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The Talmadge sisters, Norma, Constance, and Natalie, um, were huge, huge silent film stars. Norma being probably the most famous. Um, she was, uh, the ingenue. She, uh, was probably the, one of the top leading ladies in the silent film era. Um, she, her, she was the first one to put her hands in footprints in Grauman's Chinese theater. Some fun trivia for you. Wow. I, I had no idea that that was the case. <laughs> 
in case that's ever asked on Jeopardy. And uh, and then Constance was definitely the comedian. She um, was also a very very talented actress. Um, and Natalie, I didn't. I don't think she really wanted to be an actor. I don't think that that was kind of her ultimate desire. But because it was what the family did, um, she kind of went along with it. But uh, her and Buster ended up meeting because she was doing bookkeeping. Um, and so they ended up meeting and then he put her in uh, some of his films and, and she kind of had her fame go that way. Uh, now, that's uh, that's well. So I would be I would be correct in assuming that you never met either of those great grandparents, right? Either Buster or or Natalie. Correct. I never met them. Um, they passed before I was born. I did, however, meet Eleanor Keaton, who is Buster's third wife and his probably the great, great love of his life who helped really transform and give him a third act that was tremendously happy. Um, And Eleanor was an absolute delight. And she came to support me when I was studying acting in college. And she came to see my plays and um, was just a lovely, lovely woman. Uh, Did the fact that you were descended from somebody that was such a famous actor, did that inform your decision to pursue this as a career at all? You know, it it didn't really. Uh, I've wanted to be an actor my whole life, um, and it was very natural for me to want to be on stage um, from a very, very young age. Um, I would always stand in front of the TV and go, watch, Mommy, watch, and I would put on a show. Um, I was in choir and drama all through elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, so I, I, I really knew early on that this was something that I was meant to be doing. And because... When I grew up, um, you know, prior to the Internet, and there was a, most of the people my age didn't really know who Buster was. Mm. Um, they knew who Chaplin was, um, but they weren't really familiar with Buster. And so he wasn't talked about a ton. You know, we knew who he was in terms of, oh, we have a famous silent comedian. He was quite famous in his day, but no one really talked about him much when I was growing up. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. Um, what I do remember have what I do remember happening, and what people would say is, whenever I would do um, a farce like Noises Off or something, or a, a sketch comedy show, and I would do a pratfall or something like that, people in my family would always comment that, oh, that was just like Buster, or oh, I see a little Buster in there. Um, people comment that I have his eyes well, a lot. And, uh, I, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> the, uh, you know, never having met you, but only seeing your your photograph, that's what struck me. And that's uh, why <laughs> I, I would have guessed that you were actually a, a bit of a closer relation than uh, great-granddaughter because his eyes were sort of his trademark. And your eyes, uh, certainly in the photographs that I've seen of you, they certainly do uh, jump off the, ca- you know, jump off the camera, I guess is the best way to describe describe it. But uh, it is interesting. I could certainly see that. I mentioned that uh, there's two books out now. There's a a film that's in the works. Mm -hmm. This is all 66 years or so after he or 56 years after he passed away. Why do you think that your great grandfather is having a moment now? What do you think is behind this resurgence? Um, I think that his films are more readily available I think that more people are making compilations 
of his gags, his stunt work. And so you, you see these short form, you know, media compilations on Twitter and on YouTube and they're getting shared. And so more and more people are discovering him and the people that studied him, that are inspired by him, the filmmakers, they're commenting, they're sharing, they're, and so then people are like, oh, wait, who is this guy? Who is this inspiration? And then they want to go learn more. Mm. They want to go read the books. They want to go see more. And I think that some of the previous biographies might have been a little more dated. They maybe weren't as modern. Some of them took some liberties in, in some of the... And some of the historians that I've met um, haven't loved a lot of the previous versions of, of biographies of him. And so I felt like um, the authors, you know, of the two the books especially that are, are now out, I feel like they, um, they saw that opening to tell more truthful versions and stories in a, to a more modern audience. I know that um, Buster's marriage to your uh, great-grandmother was not necessarily a bed of roses. And, uh, you know, he struggled with a lot of uh, difficulties, professional difficulties and some personal difficulties, so much so that, um, you know, she changed her children's name to Talmadge. Uh, I am curious Mm -hmm. what you grew up knowing about your great-grandfather as both a, a person and a performer. Did your family... Family, um, you know, hold him in high esteem after he was gone, or was it a more of a mixed bag? Well, um, my grandpa, his son, um, didn't really speak of him, so he wasn't really discussed by my grandpa um, because, as talented as he was as a filmmaker and a, an actor and a comedian, um, he wasn't the most there father. Mm. Uh, he wasn't, you know, really there for the for the kids. Um, a lot because he, you know, he, he prized his work um, a lot above, above a lot of things. And I, I think he tried to remedy that towards the end there and they, and they had some reunions and, and developed a little bit more of a relationship um, once they were a bit older, which, uh, which is nice. So my grandpa didn't really talk about him. My dad did. And my dad talked about him with love and familiarity. He would, he would talk about, how the train in Woodland Hills would come out to the backyard and the pool with food on it and snacks on it. And then the train would go back around and Buster was sitting in the kitchen, you know, programming the train to do different things and to delight the kids out in the yard. Um, and he taught my dad how to dive roll over coffee tables. And I, I think that it's uh, much like, um, you know, sometimes as a parent, um, I know that even on my mom's side, she talks about this, you know, her dad being a little more strict with her. But then when the grandkids come along, mm. he was just a complete softy and uh, and loved spending time with us and would spend hours teaching us things. And so I think there was a little bit of that with Buster. Um, he was a, probably a stricter father and had pretty high expectations for his boys and then um, didn't see them as much because of his work and then because of the divorce um, as maybe, you know, he might have wanted to in a more ideal way parenting world and then I think that that shifted when he had grandkids and then he was a little bit older and 
you know, wanted to be there for them and, and delight them a bit. No, that's uh, certainly been the case with uh, uh, with a lot of the folks in my family where um, my, I had a much better relationship with my grandfather than either my mother or uh, or her uncle did. So that doesn't come as mm-hmm. uh, as a surprise. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Keaton Talmadge. She is a trained actor and singer and the great-granddaughter of uh, legendary <laughs> film star uh, Buster Keaton. You could check out her website at KeatonTalmadge.com. There's some great samples of her work on there and you could see her photograph and you could see if you agree with my analysis of the similarity with the eyes. Uh, Keaton, I'm sure I'm not the only one to observe the irony of you making a living using your voice and sound, whereas your father first became a star in an era where uh, there were no voices in film. Exactly. Yeah, I I, uh, I say that I, I like to say that I, I've taken all the voices he never used <laughs> and uh, and I use them now. <laughs> uh, tell folks, what's the bulk of the work that you're doing? Is it mostly commercial work or uh, do you do uh, do you do other things that people may recognize your voice from? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, probably 70 percent of the work that I do is commercial. Um, and that's, you know, commercials that you're going to see on TV and then uh, also corporate narration, um, you know, things that you'll see on YouTube. Um, I've done uh, textbooks for children um, as I'm a mom of two boys. So I've done children's books. I don't do a ton of audio books, but I do mostly short format commercial and then on radio. And then I, uh, I also do quite a bit of video games and quite a bit of uh, dubbing work. Um, so I'll voice over, you know, films that have been or TV shows that have been done in different languages. And then I'll be hired to voice a certain character uh, into English. Yeah, I saw that on your website, how much video game work that you're doing. I I guess that makes sense. I just I didn't realize how much of a market there was for trained voiceover actors in the field of video games. You know, you think radio, you think uh, television and uh, maybe animated features and animated television. But I I didn't realize, I Mm -hmm. guess, that uh, that voiceover work is such an important part of video games these days. It's really transformed, I think, from, you know, video games that I grew up with, definitely. Um, there are many movies now uh, in, you know, in the midst of playing, there will be a full mini movie. Um, and one of the reasons I think that it was easy for me to transition into voiceover full time, which I did maybe, well, it's been about four or five years now, um, is because I came with a bunch of acting training. And I think some people start voiceover thinking, oh, you just have to have a good voice. And it's going to be a really hard go unless you do some acting training because if mm. you don't know who you're talking to and why and why you're saying the things you're saying, even a, a commercial is going to sound ingenuine these days, especially. They want something that sounds like an authentic human being with an opinion. How much uh, of your great-grandfather's work have you gotten to see? Are, are you a, a Buster Keaton film expert or a, a casual viewer or have you never seen anything? well i'm definitely i'm definitely not an expert there are people out there that i am in awe of how well they know and study uh his body of work um but i have seen i have seen everything he's done at least once and i've seen certain things multiple times um especially starting about a year ago we started to have buster sundays at my house and so my kids get to pick out a Buster, either a short film or a feature that they want to watch. And so we have Buster Sundays. And so I'm introducing the next generation 
to him as well. And it's really fun, much like you were saying earlier, how he's kind of timeless in this way because of the silent aspect of it. It's still funny. It's, mm. I mean, they, they crack up and, you know, and it's, uh, it's still just as funny now as it was 100 years ago. Oh, how old are your children? They are 8 and 11. Oh, and so which of his films really resonates with them? If folks are looking to show a Buster Keaton film to uh, to a child. See, my son's only uh, six and a half months, so he doesn't have much of a choice. When, 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 we, when we watched The General a couple of weeks ago, I think he just re- you know reacted. He liked that train scene, but he didn't really follow uh-huh. much of what was going on. <laughs> which, what are your kids like? Uh, they, they love, uh, one week is one of their favorites. Um, it's just, it's to see the house built together in such a haphazard manner. And it's, it's very much like a cartoon and how a cartoon character would build a house completely wrong, but it's, it's almost funnier because it's, it's real life. They're, they're looking at these, this house and, and they can't believe that he's actually standing in front of it and it exists. It's not a drawn cartoon. <laughs> um, and that it turns and all of the fun stunts that he did with that. Um, they, they, they crack up at that one. They're a big fan. They love Steamboat Bill Jr., um, which is my favorite feature um, because mostly because of the last, that, that last hurricane scene where it's just a whirlwind literally of stunt after stunt after stunt and you you just you're in awe the whole time how is he doing this so those are those are two of their favorites but they also they love the scarecrow they love the goat um they love neighbors they thought neighbors was hysterical so there's yeah there's lots mostly the short films they they really love the short films at this age i think it's kind of the perfect length for their attention span. So you think his work holds up pretty well for modern audiences? I do. I, there's certain there's certain ones that um, that you have to have a conversation. I mean, especially to, to young children about um, that that were things that were done that were okay back in the era that are not okay now culturally, uh, societally. And so it's a it's a conversation starter. Um, you know, the pale face is a, an example. You sure. know, we had to have conversations with our kids about how that's not culturally appropriate now. Um, But it it helps open the conversation for them. And, you know, everything is a good conversation to for them to move forward. You know, you know, there were some stars and some people have even said your great grandmother fell into this category who weren't really able to successfully make the transition to talking pictures after achieving a lot of acclaim in silent pictures. And then there were other stars that were able to make that uh, transition. Uh, Buster Keaton seemed to have a little bit of difficulty initially, but then he enjoyed Mm -hmm. a really great second act, not only in cinema, but uh, on television. I think the episode that he's in of The Twilight Zone is still really probably the funniest Twilight Zone episode there is. It's still played to this day. But what do you think it is about Buster that enabled him to be able to uh, basically master a whole different genre of entertainment, whereas so many other stars of his era weren't able to do that? Um, you know, I, I think that it's his his dedication to his craft, first of all. He he learned what worked from, I mean, a, a comedy gag is a comedy gag, right? And whether mm. you do it in a short film or whether you do it on TV, 
it can still be just as funny in terms he was a master at how things were shot how to where to place the camera in order for the viewer to get the most impact from the gag and so i think that that passion that knowledge helped to translate to tv very well um and you know i i think that especially in that era when you know as tv was really starting to come up it it you know he he started to i think he just recognized the similarities and then he never stopped learning and and trying to be better he just never wanted to ever stop making mm. gags and and doing what he loved to do he would have never wanted to retire mm. no that's uh well said what was he friends with uh harry houdini so Harry Houdini was on the same vaudeville circuit that his family was on when he was young. They toured the same circuit. So he would get to, you know, he would watch Harry's act when he was a young boy from like up in the rafters of the theater hall that they were performing in that night, you know, and he would try to watch from different angles to see how, how if, you know, he could figure out how Harry did it. <laughs> so he was a family friend. Sylvester um, was young, um, and I think, you know, he they knew each other just being traveling in the vaudeville mm. circuit together. So he was definitely over at their house and, you know, his parents hung out with him, I think. And he knew him. But because the bulk of Buster's work was, uh, you know, 90 or 100 years ago, do you find that you've been able to avoid maybe unfair expectations of you, uh, expectations that uh, if if your father or or grandfather was a huge star instead of, um, you know, a, your great-grandfather, that there'd be all these unfair burdens of expectations of you should be able to do this and you should be able to do that, do your own stunts while filming them, making mm-hmm. everybody laugh <laughs> without ever cracking a smile? Or have you had to... B- be burdened with kind of the expectation of, oh, this is Buster Keaton's uh, great granddaughter. She better make us laugh within eight seconds without saying anything. It's <laughs> um, a good question. Um, it, I, I say I say that it, it had to skip a couple generations um, in order for the family to support want to support an actor mm-hmm. um, because you know my my grandpa. Um, you know, they, they, he wanted nothing to do with the industry because he saw what the industry did to his, to his parents and his aunts and uncles, um, his aunts. Um, and then, uh, the next, you know, his kids, they didn't support one of my uncles, my dad's brother, um, was, would have been a really great character actor, but they just didn't support it. They were like, you don't want to go into that career. It's, it's going to just lead to, to alcoholism it's going to lead to drugs it's going to lead you're going to be unhappy it's it's terrible you you need to go into something more stable because they saw the more personal side of it rather than the creative passionate side of it and again once the grandkids came along um and i and showed interest in acting very very young they were like oh yay we have an actor in the family (laughs) she's following in his footsteps so they were very supportive of me (laughs) And I uh, came to all my shows and, and it was more of um, a, like, you know, a celebration that there was an actor in the family. I, they never put any pressure on me. Um, and it was more of like, oh, look, she, you know, tumbled just like Buster would have type of a thing. Um, 
So yeah, not a, not a ton of pressure. Well, that, that's that's uh, pretty neat. We're talking with Keaton Talmadge. You can check out her website, KeatonTalmadge.com. You can see some samples of the terrific voiceover work that she's done and uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, it's all on the uh, on the website. Keaton, I am curious. Do you have any predictions? It seems like every every so often there's a a, a research. You know the old expression, and I guess like a lot of cliches, it happens to be true. Everything old is new again. It seems like there's always these mm-hmm. resurgence in uh, old time media, or old time uh, film, or television stars. Whether it's uh, uh, you know Bing Crosby or Bob Hope or Frank Sinatra, or mm-hmm. uh, going back to Chaplin or Buster Keaton. Any predictions as to who the next Next uh, star of the twenties, thirties, or what the next uh, f- f- entertainment venue of yesteryear will be to get a resurgence in the twenty-first century? Um, you know, it's a good question. I, you know, it might be like um, you know Stan and Laurel, or um, you know, I mean, the Marx Brothers—they get theirs every now and then. Um, I think uh, Harold Lloyd might get one, mm. you know, um, he was sort of the, of the three major silent stars, um, Chaplin, Keaton and Lloyd, you know, he's another one that some people maybe haven't seen his films, um, but he was fantastic, you know, just, just like the other two. And so there might be, there might be something on him that, that comes up, um, especially if, um, you know, the, the biopic that uh, is projected to happen um, for Buster happens then there might be just more of a resurgence in, in the silent film era in general. By the way, do you, do you have any idea of what the timetable is for that, uh, for that, silent, for that uh, biopic about uh, Buster Keaton? No idea. No idea. See, we, we don't have any, uh, as, a fa- as a family, we don't own any of his, of his rights because he sold it to MGM, mm. which he considers his biggest mistake. Um, so we we support as just the love of him and his family, but we don't have really any of control of any of his films or anything wow. that he you know anything about him. Wow, um, Keaton, it has been a real treat to talk with you. Please keep us posted on what you're up to, and I appreciate you uh, letting us stroll down memory lane with you and uh, giving us a little insight into a tremendous piece of Hollywood history and to your own family's history. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, Keaton Talmadge, actor, singer, and the great granddaughter of a legendary film star, Buster Keaton. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead.